Hello, welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 74. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave on a Sunday night. And being that it's a Sunday night, it is time for everyone's favorite Sunday night guest host on the line from the Dominion of Dominguez. Andre Dominguez is here with us on the Negative Positives Podcast. How are you doing tonight, Andre? Doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So the first thing I want to get to, we're going to talk about uh, single-use cameras in this uh, episode. But before we get to that, uh, we're in the, or you are in the final stretch with the Ham Camera Company Kickstarter for the new Box One. Uh, we're in the final hours, I guess. So uh, how are you feeling about the uh, coming to the uh, the finish line on this? I am over the moon. We have managed to raise just a hair under, you know, $21,000 on our original $8,000 goal. Thanks to 224 of our amazing backers. They are the ones who have, you know, helped us bring the box back. And we're, we're so glad to, you know, be able to be working with them in the months to come, you know, getting feedback from them, developing new features, uh, things like a carrying strap, uh, uh, potentially a, a bulb mode, a tripod mount to give our, our Kickstarter backers some, some added functionality before they receive their cameras in late July when they start shipping out. Yes, yes. And then also a really cool thing that I just heard of, uh, just read about recently that I haven't talked about on the podcast yet that I thought was really cool is you guys are getting involved with the FPP, the Film Photography Project, with their school donation program, and you're going to donate some uh, some new boxes to them. To tell me about uh, that situation. Sure. Yeah. From the very beginning, we we identified the the potential of the new box one. You know, fulfilling a very important role in terms of introducing new people to film photography. And there's no you know better group of folks doing that exact thing than the folks over at FPP. Uh, we reached out to Mike Rosso several months ago, letting him know, uh, you know, what we kind of viewed as the, the opportunity for a partnership between ham camera company and the FPP. And we decided that our first stretch goal for the, the project was going to be a donation of new box ones, you know, full retail copies to, their camera donation program on a $1,000 to one camera conversion rate. So as of right now, uh, we will be donating 20 cameras to the FPP's camera donation program. So at the same time that, you know, uh, well, after our Kickstarter backers receive their cameras, we obviously, you know, have an obligation to fulfill their orders first. But as soon as all the Kickstarter backers have received theirs, we will be sending 20 brand new uh, serviceable film cameras to the FPP to distribute to a, a school in need. That's awesome. And, you know, there's the, the cool thing about it is the fact that, a, you know, a box camera such as the new box one is a, a really great way to, to get kids to, you know, shoot photography, maybe film photography for the first time because of the simple nature of that process. Plus you'll have a camera that, you know, won't uh, give them any, problems uh, mechanically or electronically uh you know through uh, uh, on their first experience with it 
Right, and if anything ever does happen, you know, if a, <laughs> if a kid drops it on the corner and, and you know, breaks a, a piece off, uh, we do have our, our, you know, lifetime, no questions asked warranty that we're, we're committed to making sure that it's a serviceable camera that you can have confidence that you'll be able to shoot it for years and years to come. And also the really neat thing, especially for, uh, for working, you know, with, with kids and, and people who are new to film photography is that as simple and easy to use as a point and shoot film camera, like a box camera is, uh, the added features and functionalities that we've included in the design make it such that it can kind of scale with your ability level. Uh, you know, a, a kid picking it up for the, the first time just shooting it at f16 or f22 um, and just sunny 16ing it uh, will be you know absolutely at home just using it as a point and shoot but as you start learning more about you know aperture and shutter speed and shallow depth of field you can start you know being a little bit more creative and a little bit more savvy with the uh, the different apertures you know trying to to get something like a shallow depth of field uh, portrait with it which is really really interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. And it'd be a good way to like, uh, they can kind of learn the beginning steps of that before they even go on to like a full featured uh, SLR or whatever. And, and, you know, I think the, the FPP, one of the, uh, I mean, beyond them just being the coolest guys on the planet, one of the uh, cool things. Agreed. Yeah. Is this, their, their, I mean, their camera donation program is, is kind of why I, I, I really like buying my film from them because not only are their film prices uh, uh, reasonable, but you know that you're supporting them in this in this uh, endeavor to get students, uh, uh, you know, film cameras to learn film photography. And one thing we have to do going forward to keep this film thing alive is we got to get new people into it, and particularly new young people into it. And that will, you know, that will uh, ensure that film is uh, there for a long time to come. So that's a, a really cool aspect that the FPP does. So it's it's awesome that you guys are partner partnering partnering with them on this. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if so, we're in the final hours. So, any of you listeners out there that have not back, uh, backed the box, uh, you need to do it because you're going to feel really, really left out. And you're going to be really jealous when we all get our shiny new boxes in the mail this summer, and and you're going to be like, oh, I want one. And you know, so yeah, you need to you need to get in on this. Uh, what are you waiting for? It's you know, it, it's you're backing a a brand new camera. Uh, production so yeah it's just it's a positive all around and you're going to get a cool camera for a really good price so get out there and back the box is what i say and if you if you need one you know little monetary incentive the the current sort of pricing structure that we have uh, on the kickstarter campaign is specifically you know as sort of a an early bird option after the kickstarter campaign is over the the full you know retail uh, price of all three of the the trim levels um, of the the camera will be uh, twenty dollars uh, more than what they currently are. So if you want to get it at the at the decreased sort of early bird price, as well as the fact that uh, after the Kickstarter campaign, the 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 naming structure of the camera is going to be the New Box One Twenty. Uh, this, yeah. you know, special edition new box one is a, a kind of, you know, exclusive little thank you to the people that, you know, sort of helped us get, you know, on our feed. It's the, the first camera that we put out 
uh, functionally identical uh, with the new box 120, but the added little sort of, you know, uh, thank you to, to our backers that, you know, they'll be the, the 200 some people in the world that own the, the special version, the, the new box one that nobody else has. Nice. I like it. I'm going to have a limited edition, a, a first series run. In other words, in like 10 years from now, I'll be able to, you know, it'll be worth like, uh, I don't know, it'd be worth like Leica prices, right? I mean, that's what it's going to be, right? Oh, you know, around that ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so anyway, yes, back the new box. Get in on this thing while you can get one of these limited uh, named ones. You don't, you know, but even when uh, you guys, uh, after the Kickstarter, even when the price raises a little bit, it's still going to be a very reasonable price for what you're getting. So uh, if you can't afford it now, you know, don't feel too bad, uh, you know, just plan on buying one in the future. But I would say if you any way you can swing it, get in on the uh, the Kickstarter and these uh, and these waning hours uh, so you can get in with the get in with the cool kids. So. <laughs> you don't you don't you don't That's how we like to think of ourselves. <laughs> I didn't know if you disagreed with me on the cool kids for a second because you were speechless, but uh but uh, <laughs> but uh anyway so uh, yeah, yeah. we uh we have talked the last couple of times I've had you on the show, we've always had on the list to get into talking about single use cameras and I've been wanting to do a podcast on single use cameras for a while and uh but i've been saving it uh till i had you on because you did a project with them but uh my experience with single use cameras uh was in the 90s before i was really into photography i uh, i basically i did a lot of shooting on single use cameras which back then were called disposable cameras and uh, i think the manufacturers started uh recycling a lot of the cameras when you sent them back in so they felt disposable didn't sound very eco-friendly so they they started kind of marketing marketing them as single use cameras, but uh, at any any rate, I I basically took a lot of uh, single use cameras on friends or when we went out places because I didn't really own a good camera. And then uh, I finally one time bought a cheap camera for myself instead of a single use camera, and it was called a Kodak Star Two Thirty Five. And this thing, uh, I have some some suspicion that it was just a single use camera with an open uh, uh, with a back you could open because it was about the same size the lens looked exactly the same as a single use camera from Kodak and uh it it basically had no more functions than a single use camera did so i think i i think i probably paid too much and bought a glorified single use camera that was just reloadable but uh so but i i shot a lot a lot with it before i got into photography and you know they 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 came out really well i was surprised at the quality you could get uh, out of those back in the, I mean, they certainly fulfilled my needs as a snapshot camera back in the nineties before I was a, uh, a photo snob, I guess. But, uh, but Andre, you did a big project with single use cameras. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll kind of start out with a little bit of my history with, with single use cameras. Um, growing up, I, I, I never really remembered my, my family being super into uh, photography, a, a thought that has only been reinforced by the, the kind of quiet response that I've had, um, you know, asking my family, like, hey, does anybody have, like, old negatives that I can scan? And it's essentially <laughs> just been crickets. <laughs> um, but what I do remember is back when I was in, I believe, first grade, I, I remember begging my parents to 
buy me a, a single-use camera to take with me to a, a field trip to the zoo. And I have no idea whatever, you know, happened to, to those pictures, whether or not I even got them developed um, or, or, you know, if, if I kept them, if I eventually lost them. Uh, but I do remember using the, the camera at the zoo and having a, a blast. That's my earliest memory of, of photography, uh, however fuzzy it, it, it may still be. But um, <laughs> a few months ago, I remember seeing uh, in, you know, just my local drugstores, uh, the those like Kodak fun savers and the, the Fujifilm quick snap cameras. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, uh, wouldn't it be cool to sort of buy a bunch of them, you know, different brands. Uh, I, I realized, you know, around that time as well, uh, because I saw it at Southeastern Camera, that uh, Ilford actually made black and white versions, which I thought was super cool. I'd never seen a black and white disposable camera. And yeah. so I decided to buy uh, six of them. Uh, from from different brands, uh, three black and white and three color, and then just sort of you know kind of put them to the to the test. Not doing a scientific test by any means, but just have a have a good time shooting all of them. Kind of you know getting away from the the other cameras that I was shooting for a little bit. Do a, a little creative challenge, and I actually spent six weeks uh, shooting nothing but single use cameras. Every week I would you know shoot one. It's about how long it would take me to to get through one roll was um was about a week and I would just slip it into one of the the outside pockets of my backpack and take pictures uh you know on my on my commute to and from classes and, and from my apartment and I honestly had a blast uh by the end of the of the six weeks as you can probably imagine I was very eager to shoot something else but <laughs> I was I was so pleasantly surprised by the results. I, I had set my expectations pretty low and I was, you know, very, very happy with the results. Yeah. I went, I went almost a decade shooting single use cameras. So they must've been, uh, of course I didn't know any better, but, uh, but I'm, I'm still looking, <laughs> back, looking, looking back at those photos. I'm still surprised at the quality I got, especially like on a sunny day, like, you know, it was, uh, they were great. And, uh, uh, so yeah, but, uh, so the ones you bought, you, you, you bought three color, three black and white. I'm guessing all the black and whites were the Ilfords and I guess the colors were, uh, Kodak and Fuji, I guess. I'll just rattle off all of them. Um, okay, it was nice. the, <laughs> on the black and white side, it was the Lamography, uh, you know, reloadable. I believe they called them simple use instead of just single use, uh, yeah. camera. So that was the one that comes with, I believe their, um, Lamography Lady Grey or old some Earl Grey 400. Yeah. Anywho, yeah. just the Lamography 400 speed black and white. Um, and then I had the Ilford HP5 uh, disposable and the Ilford XP2 C41 black and white uh, single use camera. On the color side, I had a Kodak Fun Saver, a Fujifilm Quick Snap, and the color negative version of the Lamography. Uh, simple use. I see. I see. Did, did was there kind of uh, shown above the rest, or were they all quality as far as uh, you could tell, or uh, did you have a, did um, a, did a favorite? Yes, a, a favorite definitely did emerge uh, <laughs> over time. I think the the color ones I wasn't super happy with, just because I I struggled to shoot in color uh, anyway. <laughs> I kind of yeah, tended yeah. to to sort of see better in, in black and white like I usually do but um of the of the black and white ones 
by far my my favorite was the HP5. Not only because it, it's a, it's a a film stock that I really really enjoy to begin with, but um, it seemed like the quality of the of the you know the plastic lens that that is in there seemed to be better than the plastic lenses of the other cameras. <laughs> right. Uh, I, you know, and I wonder if that I wonder if that was so much the lens or if it was the film because I'm sure like the color could have been a bit of both, Fuji. man. Yeah. Yeah. Because Fuji and Kodak, I'm sure, are putting in like their consumer grade color films. Like I'm sure Kodak is just a, a version of gold. Probably gold 400 is probably in there, or Max 400 or whatever. And I guess the Fuji is what whatever their uh, grocery store uh, film is superior. I think maybe I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I'm guessing it could have been partly film. But you might be right though. Ilford might have got a little bit better lens on their on their camera because I mean who knows. But uh, so uh, when you you, did you process all of them yourself, or because obviously the, the Lamography versions, you can easily take the roll out, but the Kodak and Fuji versions, you'd have to break apart yourself and get the film out. Did you process yourself, or did you, did you get them processed? Yep, I, I processed all all six myself. Uh, um, other than the Lamography reloadable ones, which just have a, a little you know catch on the side of the camera where the back you know, swings open like, like any other 35 millimeter camera. I had to take apart the, the other ones and there's really no delicate way of, of doing it. The entire camera is kind of held together with these uh, joints on, on, you know, all four sides that you essentially just have to uh, shove a, a, you know, a a small flathead screwdriver and just pry the thing open. (laughs) There's, Yeah. There's people that, you know, are able to, to do it in a way where you can reuse it and, you know, reload the uh, the cameras. But I, I tried my best. I tried being delicate and it just ended up not working. So by the end, I was just, you know, you literally have to rip the camera apart. The very important thing right. that you need to remember uh, with all of these that, you know, have a, a flash on them and have a battery is that, uh, even if you haven't charged the the flash, uh, do not touch the two leads of the very large capacitor that sits behind the the flash because that will give you a very nasty shock. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was in electronic school uh, in college, and they uh, one of the jokes was charging up a capacitor and shocking fellow students with them. But uh, but yeah, uh, but I don't think uh, we didn't charge them that much. I'm sure that. I've heard that capacitors for flashes can hold quite a quite a zap to them, so yeah, you want to avoid that at all costs. But uh, uh, so also uh, have hard conditions like I do. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so also, so you had actually, gosh, one of the first times you contacted this podcast, you asked me a question about how a good idea of how you think uh, to get people, new people, into film. You had mentioned uh, one of your ideas was to use those Lomography simple use cameras and and let a friend go out shooting with you as a a way to kind of get them into the, uh, the, I guess, the the film shooting experience. Uh, uh, How many times did you try that? that, Did you find that successful in any way? I am embarrassed to say that I haven't actually, you know, got around to, to doing that. There's, you know, a a small handful of, of friends of mine here around my, uh, my little college town that I've been meaning to, to go out and, and do that. But, you know, one thing or another kind of gets in the, in the way and you end up, you know, putting it off, but, uh, it's definitely something that I would still like to, to do is, um, you know, get out there with, with somebody, just hand them a, uh, 
a reloadable, you know, single use camera with a, a roll of 400 speed black and white or color film and just have them, you know, just focus on, on taking pictures that they think are, are cool to them. Uh, you know, judging by sort of uh, their, their level of experience or, or lack thereof in terms of, of photography and, and exposure, it's great because it's just point and shoot. Um, and then, you know, you can develop the, the film for them if you have the, the capability uh, to do so, maybe even do it with them there so they can see you, you know, going through the, the process, seeing how easy it is pulling the, the negatives uh, off of the, the, the reels. Um, it's something that I still plan on doing. It's something that I recommend other people do if they're sort of trying to find a way to, to get their friends into, into film in an easy way. Um, I know that, you know, it's it, it can be a little bit intimidating handing over something like an SLR and then having to sort of explain, okay, well, here's the apertures, here's the shutter speeds, blah, blah, blah. Here's how you focus. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more, you know, reasonable to hand somebody a, a, a single-use camera and be like, you see something interesting, you point it at them, and you shoot. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because I remember when you uh, when you had uh, I guess you it was a call in I think it was uh, one of my first call ins was you by the way and uh, so yeah and you had mentioned that as an idea that you had had and I thought that was a great idea in fact it kind of answered the question for me I didn't really know where to go with the podcast after that because you answered the question better than I could so but I, I thought it was a great idea to uh, uh, to as a way to get people out shooting something very simple like that where they didn't have to think about the technical aspects they could just kind of concentrate on shooting and and the joy of the joy of seeing photos after the fact not right at the moment like digital so you get that the the joy of having to wait for something in life for once absolutely and just as a quick <laughs> little aside you know like see folks dreams do come true if you if you call into the podcast maybe you too can become a a guest host one day <laughs> 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 well, well, you know, world. every every dream can be a nightmare too so you know you never know how they're <laughs> going to turn out <laughs> but uh uh one thing that i uh back in gosh probably the mid 2000s i was running into uh uh just single use cameras on sale and on clearance shelves everywhere uh, and at one like point I my what's that like pallets of them <laughs> Oh well, not necessarily pallets, but I could. It seemed like every time I went to a grocery store, or particularly the grocery store I go to, they always had uh, clearance on their like their 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 brand. It was a Kroger grocery store, and they always had Kroger uh, branded single use uh, cameras. And I uh, found out later they were actually the film and actually the camera was made by Ferrania back uh, the original Ferrania. And uh, that's cool. So I, I, yeah, yeah. And the funny thing was like. Uh, they even had like some waterproof ones I bought, uh, they were, but they were always clearing them out. And, uh, so I kept buying them, you know, and, uh, uh, before long I had a, a pretty huge stockpile of them. And, uh, I was actually kind of very surprised at how good the colors came out on that film. So I'm hoping when Ferrania gets back to manufacturing film that they have some of those colors that I got in the, the, those, uh, single use cameras. Cause the colors were pretty amazing. It was a little grainy, like grainier than like the Kodak, uh, uh, single-use cameras or whatever but the colors were really uh very nice especially in the blues but as, if i remember correctly but anyway I, so I, I had like a whole uh refrigerator full of these things i was like man you know i'll never get around to shooting all these so i'm, I'm gonna do some experiments with them so you know i know i'm not the first person to do this and i've seen quite a few people doing these kind of things but i used to take them 
And uh, I was in a huge Hoga phase uh, then. Well, I mean, I've kind of always been in a huge Hoga phase. But uh, so I, I was like, well, what can I do to make these look uh, a little weirder, a little more Hoga-ish? So I would take all sorts of stuff and scratch up the lenses and like uh, I put permanent marker on the lenses, just anything I could do to get weird looks out of them. And I had a blast doing it, uh, especially the scratched lens ones. Uh, when you took like a photo with um, backlighting or whatever, everything would just flare out a whole lot and everything. It kind of looked, it kind of looked like everything I took looked like a foggy day sort of, but I got some really cool looks out of it. And uh, I've been kind of wanting to buy some more uh, single use cameras to kind of do that project again. But in my local thrift stores, I see like little point and shoot 35 millimeter cameras all the time for like a dollar or two. I mean, they're the junky ones. It's never a cool one, but I'm always like, well, maybe I should just buy a point and shoot, uh, reloadable 35 millimeter camera and scratch the lens up on that. But I can never get myself to do that. I'm always like, uh, that's still a good yeah, I was gonna say, you're, use you're a braver man than I, Mr. Gutterman. I would, <laughs> I don't know if I, if I would do that. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. I can't get myself to do it. Like, you know, I was like this camera, even though it's not a, it's not one of the, the hip cool point and shoots. I'm like, somebody can use this and, and so I just, I never can get myself to do it. So I think I'm going to have to just buy some single use cameras if I want to return to that project and then just destroy the lenses on those instead of uh, destroying a perfectly good lens, albeit probably uh, on a bad camera. But, <laughs> but that's, that was kind of something <laughs> with on it. But uh, have you ever done any uh, projects or you, do you think you would ever do a project where you just kind of uh, destroy a lens or are you, are, are you more of a, uh, a technical perfection guy with your photography? I mean, I'm not a technical perfection guy, but I mean, I like you, we've talked previously, you know how I shoot my Holga, like gaffer taping the crap out of it. Um, <laughs> using a light meter, I bring like a, you know, a, an ND filter in case like, you know, it's, it's, uh, I tested the shutter speed on mine. So, you know, I, I take a very sort of different approach when it, uh, when it comes to, to these sorts of cameras with the, the disposable cameras. I most of the time kind of made sure that uh, I had the the sun over my shoulder. I knew that like, you know, over time you, you know, shooting film, you get a feel for, you know, what's going to, what's going to come out and what won't. So if I was in a situation where like, you know, I saw something interesting, but like I kind of knew that given the limitations of the camera, the picture wasn't going to turn out very well. I kind of just, you know, uh, overlooked it. You know, I, I decided not to, to take that picture and, and move on to something that I know would, would come out well. And I think that's, that's a, a big reason why um, I got the results that, that I did was that, you know, yes, it's a point and shoot. Yes. You're, you're, you know, perhaps meant to, to not think too much uh, about it, but if you, if you treat the, the cameras, you know, like, like any other, uh, you know, with a, with a, plastic lens that doesn't resolve amazingly uh that has a fair amount of of distortion um but you know a lens is a lens you you point it at, at something that has enough light um and you know given the the aperture and the and the shutter speed that the the manufacturer tells you if they do tell you um you you can you can get some some great results out of it so uh, i also you know wanted to that was kind of my, my goal was to try to like get the best pictures out of it as, as possible. And um, mm -hmm. to that point, I think I, you know, I, I definitely succeeded, but uh, there were definitely times where I, I 
said, you know, like, I'm not going to take this picture because I know it's not going to it's not going to turn out very well. <laughs> right, right. I know back when uh, in the 90s when I shot him a lot as the, about the only camera I had, uh, me and my wife, who was then my girlfriend, uh, I'm just going to put out this warning here. Uh, do not try to do selfies with them. They, they don't come out like uh, <laughs> they're very blurry. <laughs> Can I do selfies with a uh, single use camera? It's not going to work. It's uh... <laughs> we have several photos of uh, us our faces are uh, blown out and unfocused. So, because, uh, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then that took pictures. So, yes, you know, we're, yes, I am a dinosaur. And, uh, but that's how we did selfies back then. We took really blurry shots with single use cameras, but I don't know. See, Andre, see what you missed out on all the fun. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this. Uh, you know, the thing about growing up at that time was, uh, yeah, you know, you did find uh, single use cameras on the clearance racks all the time. So I got that to brag about, I guess. So, but, uh, <laughs> but, and they're anyway. coming back, perhaps not at yeah. the at the clearance bin price, but, you know, pick right. up a couple of the, you know, just the, the normal ones just to sort of give it a, a try, see if you like it. And if it's something that you kind of want to, to have in your, in your camera collection, pick up one of the, of the Lomography ones there, you know, just about on par as the, you know, the, the Ilford ones and the, the Kodak and Fuji ones. And you'll, you'll have the added ability to just sort of, if you want to recreate that look, but you don't want to buy an entirely new camera, just reload it with some film, you know, give it to a friend who, you know, hasn't shot film before. It's, it's a fantastic asset to, to have in your, in your film arsenal. I don't think anybody Absolutely. should should be without a, a reloadable, disposable camera. I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's funny. I was at my local Walgreens, which here in the United States is a major uh, drugstore chain. And I, they had uh, the Kodak uh, single-use cameras. I almost bought one. And they even had the uh, the, the Kodak Sport one, which was, a water, which was a waterproof one. And I think that could be a lot of fun had, to be had with a waterproof uh single-use camera but uh i was kind of surprised the prices were a little more expensive than i thought they would be but of course that was yep. walgreens and they're not necessarily the cheapest place to buy them i guess but uh, but because i remember when the the, the lamography simple use camera came out i thought man those that's kind of pricey for a glorified disposable camera but actually their prices are kind of in line with what these things are going for now but I mean, it, it's not so outrageous you can't do it, but they were, it, it was a little more expensive than I thought they'd be. I, but I'm assuming online they'd probably be cheaper. But uh, did you notice that the Lomography version was about prices the same as the other, uh, the Fuji and the Kodak, or was there a, a difference? Uh, I believe they were about all the the same. Perhaps if the, if the Lomography ones were a little bit more expensive, that was kind of, you know, tempered by the fact that, yeah, I, I bought my, uh, my Fuji and Kodak ones, uh, here at like my, my local CVS, which the prices on everything tend to, to be a little bit higher. And then the, yeah. the Ilford ones I bought at, at Southeastern cameras. So they were all kind of around the, the same price hovering between like, you know, 15 and $20. Right. Right. You know, I used to, there's the, there's the fact that, you know, when you, when you think about it in terms of, of from a value proposition uh, standpoint, uh, paying the, the same price for the Lomography one as, as one of these, you know, truly disposable ones, uh, you, you have that camera that you're paying, you know, around $20 once, but you can reload it uh, whenever you want. What other kind of, I mean, unless you're, 
you're lucky like Mike and you have thrift stores where you can find, you know, <laughs> even cheap point shoes for even like, you know, not so great point shoes for like five bucks. I don't have that option. <laughs> but um, what other, for people like me, what other, you know, option do you have for a, a compact point and shoot for, for 20 bucks that you can use for forever, essentially? Right. Well, don't get too jealous of me. We got people like Neil Piper that finds like Stylus Epics for four pounds. So like, I, uh, I'm not, <laughs> not that, so, so, don't, don't be acting like I won the lottery on my thrift stores here. So, uh, but, uh, but, but the, uh, yeah, it's a, and plus like you know, one thing I used to always keep one, uh, uh, for a long time, I would keep one in my car, uh, because if I was ever saw something, I wanted to take a photo oh, of it. Yeah, because I mean, in hot weather, cold weather, I really didn't care what happened to it or even what happened to the film inside of it. Uh, if, if, even in the sweltering, uh, you know, 100 degree days here in Louisville, that's uh, still, I just leave, left it in my car. And, and sometimes actually the heat would cause some cool things with the film anyway. But, uh, but yeah, it was nice to have something just in case it didn't have any kind of camera on me. It was, uh, that's a camera you can leave in your car and not, not worry too much about it and always have something where you don't miss a shot. So I think that's another good use for them. Absolutely. All right, Andre. Well, we have hit that magical little bit over half hour mark, and uh, we don't like to tempt uh, or test the anchor app much further than that because if we, it goes if it goes awry now, we'll lose a whole thirty minutes of uh, of of just genuinely uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just uh, oh god, lovely right. conversation. That's the that's it. There it is. See, I knew you had I had you on here for a reason, but. Uh, anyway i hope everyone enjoyed this this is the end of this episode of the negative positives podcast andre where do you uh people check you out i know you're gonna say you don't have anything new up but go ahead and tell them where to check out your work well in this case uh it's one of the rare cases where the um the six week long disposable film camera project that i did is actually very well documented on my website which is timelessstreets.com um, the photos of that can also be uh, found on my Instagram, which is at a Dominguez 64. Um, if you just are, are scrolling through the, the pictures, you'll see a picture of the camera and then everything following that are going to be uh, pictures taken with that camera. So it's, it's kind of easy to see which ones belong to, to which camera. Awesome. Awesome. Nice. All right. You can catch my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. And you can email this lovely program at guttermanphoto at gmail.com. And here's where uh, I'm going to put Andre to the test. We'll see if he's improved from last week. Here we go. All right. Uh, everyone stay positive. And shoot some cool film photos. <laughs> Is that close? It's good. I get it? Yeah, it's close. Well, usually I say take some cool film photos, but shoot's probably better. So, yeah, because take, like, <laughs> take, sort of, take sort of sounds like you're stealing the photos. Shoot sounds like you actually took them yourself. So like, maybe maybe I should start saying that. But uh, There we go. That was 100% <laughs> planned, folks. <laughs> All right. Uh, everyone, uh, take care. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. <laughs>